The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellinch. Together, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your addiction recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected, so please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Our show today is titled, Drop the Rock. One thing we need in order to grow in our recovery is to walk our path with principled honesty. This can be more challenging than it sounds at first, but if we are willing to show up and do the work, we can drop the heavy load we've been carrying and enjoy a lightness of being that will transform our lives. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on lightening the load through the power and the practice of truth with integrity. Yes. So today we want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We certainly hope that you will find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to be talking about moving from that carrying a heavy load, that feeling of heaviness, to living with a lightness of being. And the principle that we use to get there is telling the truth with integrity. When I think about what my experience of uh, carrying a heavy load, we're calling it, and uh, as I all, I feel like I always say I should just record this and, and push play, uh, I didn't see it that way at the time, but now I do. You know, I really kind of right. get it. And for me... You know, my, the way that I'm wired, the, may, the way that my mind works is uh, I'm a kind of an, a, a lifelong observer, right? I, I pay attention to how things work because uh, I find it very intriguing and I know that that's a, a primary way that I interact with the world around me. I feel like if I can understand how something works, then uh, all is well in my world. And so being an observer like that, I was, and an introvert, you know, I was not someone inclined to be sharing, uh, all that's going on with me. And so I keep, I, you know, I had a lot inside that didn't really have an outlet. So I think over time, you know, I got used to it, but I think over time, and, and certainly when I look back compared with how it is now, um, I was carrying a lot around because being able to share, with others what is going on with me or what you know what we're calling telling the truth with integrity means that I don't have to carry it all myself but back then you know that's just kind of the way it was yeah yeah so I'm trying I'm feeling into that heaviness and what that felt like you know um, I know there were a lot of, and the big book describes these uh, these feelings, these characteristics that so many of us share um, when we come into recovery. Just that feeling, not feeling a part of, feeling somehow different from my fellow human beings, feeling like uh, there's something, you know, 
terminally different about me than other folks and feeling very separate from not a part of. Um, and then the sort of drinking over those feelings, right? Drinking to feel more comfortable. And as a result, becoming, how do I describe this? Becoming sort of separate from myself, right? The more that I drank to numb my feelings, the more disconnected I was from myself and my own feelings. Um, and so, yeah, that just, it kind of, all of it, I, I probably also would not have expressed this then, you know, I would have said, oh, I have lots of friends and I do lots of stuff and, you know, because I'm not an introvert. I've always been an extrovert. I was always out there doing a lot of things, but that doesn't really matter. You know, it can still, that, that inner thing can still be there regardless of how we present in the outer. That's why I think that so many addicts, alcoholics, folks in recovery of various shapes and sizes, um, we, we tend to share that similar, those similar feelings of just somehow feeling different and feeling separate from our human beings. And let's say feeling disconnected. It's a, it's a feeling of disconnect and it's a very painful feeling. And I think that's why so many of us used, I know that's one of the things I drank over. I, again, I would not have described it that way back then, but now with hindsight, I see that, you know, I had a lot of, let's just put it this way. I had a lot of uncomfortable feelings that I did not want to feel. And so that's why I drank, you know, that I drank to, uh, to alleviate some of the pain from that heaviness, whatever exactly was causing the heaviness, but you know, just that, that, that heavy load. Cause when I drank, I felt lighter, you know? Yeah. I felt like, wow, this is all pretty good. You know, like, all, all is well, life. Is, all is well. All, all issues and problems just sort of faded away. Yes. They that's did. what, that's what was my experience. And, and I'm kind of surprised to hear this, but you, you talked about it some, and I'm glad you did. You, you talked about feeling separate and feeling not a part of. Yeah. And I'm like, but wait a second. You're, you're, the, you're an extrovert. You're going to the party and talking to people. And I didn't realize, I don't think, that uh, that, that can also happen, as you shared, even with people who are sort of out in the world doing stuff and interacting with others, but still feelings because I felt the same way you know yeah. separate and not a part of and I don't really fit in here and yep. you know the, uh, uh, I don't know what just all that kind of disconnect right yes. disconnected sorts disconnected. of feelings I definitely can identify with I know that for me I was generally not comfortable being seen or known right I was the one mm -hmm. that wanted to do the seeing I wouldn't I'm the one that wanted to do the knowing right to, un to be, be the one that understood how stuff worked to, to sort of watch how everything interacted and then figure out how it all worked. And I was very comfortable in that space and also equally uncomfortable on the other side of that fence um, of being in a spotlight or, you know, anytime I would ever share about my experience and, and this, you know, went on well into recovery and still happens some, mm -hmm. if I go uh, on and on about something, I can, there can be a real uh, emotional backlash that yeah. happens. Um, yeah. And I've, you know, I've been actively working to burn through all that yeah. for years now. And yeah. it still happens. It's not nearly as intense as it used to be, but it's never surprising Yeah. for me to feel like, oh, I should just you know, it, it, it's just life would be so much easier if I just didn't say anything because then this wouldn't happen. That That's like the old feeling. Didn't you describe that to me once as a vulnerability hangover? Yes, that's exactly Is it. that what you're talking about? Okay, yeah. because I remember when you told me that, I totally related to it. I was like, that's what that is. That might be from Brene Brown, that particular phrase, but it's okay. a great, it describes it very, very well. Yes. And so, you know, I'm glad that this is sort of a revelation for you that extroverts can experience that same thing, <laughs> you know, because I can remember having that feeling. Now, of course, when I added alcohol to the mix, then there would be that thing where I would wake up at three o'clock in the morning. What did I say? <laughs> what did I do? You know, who did I flirt with? Oh, my God. 
and that's sort of sort of the same thing you know but a little bit different but yeah that feeling of like um being exposed you know or having shared too much and so yeah so i think that both an extrovert and an introvert can share that same feeling of like it's just a different way of being on the outside you know a different way of maybe dealing with it but i can be out there you know being very social and everything but still come home and feel very separate or isolated um I can be with a bunch of people and still feel like everyone else is connected, but I'm somehow not, you know, and of course this is much less now, but I can still experience this. I I think it's just a, I don't know what it is, if it's a personality type or an emotional wound or whatever, but where I can feel like everyone else is so close and friendly and connected and I'm on the outside I don't know if it's just if it's an addict quality that we just because I've heard so many people share this in meetings. I remember that was one of the first things I was struck by is all these people keep sharing that they feel separate and they feel like they're somehow different from other human beings. It doesn't the big book talk about that a lot. I think so. Separate from our fellow humans. And it's just yeah, it's it's just a thing that so many of us seem to share. That's so weird to me that extroverts, I mean, I believe you and I can see it. I know we've probably talked about this before, but as an introvert, you know, my whole definition of extrovert, I'm like, why are those people talking to those other people for no reason at all? (laughs) They don't even have to. Why are they doing that? I don't get it. (laughs) Because from where I sat, that's the last thing in the world you would do. You're talking to other people when it's not required? What is wrong with you? That is funny because I will talk to anyone. (laughs) I mean, if you ever stand next to me in Starbucks or in the grocery store, you're going to hear from me, you know? Yeah, I've, I've developed some of that and I... You know, the the joke is you couldn't get me to talk before. Now you can't get me to shut up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But let, let's move along here because uh, we, we've shared about this heavy load, this challenge that we both have experience with. But we always want to move out of the problem and into the solution. So what is the solution in this case? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. And the spiritual principle that we found helpful in moving out of that that heavy burden, that feeling, um, maybe that feeling of separateness and into a lightness of being is simply truth or more specifically telling the truth with integrity. But what does that look like in recovery and how does it show up in our day-to-day lives? I mean, it's not like we're going around lying to everyone all the time. So what is the big deal? Michelle, what's your take on that? Oh my goodness. Well, of course, there's outright lying, and then there's the much more common lies of omission, right? (laughs) And I think it's the lies of omission that um, are more pervasive. So it's not necessarily going and saying untruths, but it's, um, I think you talked about this, an avoidance of being seen. Yeah. and, you know, for me, at least, none of this was conscious. It's not like I said, oh, I'm going to construct this, you know, extroverted persona where everyone thinks this, that, and the other thing. I think they're just ways of coping. They're just, you and I coped in two different ways. You coped internally and I coped externally. Yeah. Um, so what does it mean? So there's one piece of it that's literally telling the truth and of course we're we're sort of indirectly referring to the fifth step in which we um you know have made our moral inventory and then we share that with um first with ourselves and then with our higher power and then with another human being um but then there's also the ongoing living in integrity living in truth and in and in integrity So for me, this has been like most things in recovery. It's been a gradual process, right? It's something that has happened over time. And I love the analogy of the peeling away the layers of an onion. So, you know, if if I'm an onion and at the very core of me is my, you know, complete and whole non-ego self, 
then the layers of the onion are all these constructed selves that I that we all build up that I have built up to um, to protect that inner self. And obviously, we need a certain extent of that. I mean, we can't just, you know, we get we some of it is necessary for living among other human beings. Sure. But um, for me, recovery and the spiritual path together, hand in hand, have been a process of peeling away those layers, you know, and it's certainly not a finished process. It's absolutely ongoing. So peeling away. Okay, for me, it wasn't like, like you said, going around lying to people. It's not like we just, you know, lie all the time. It's, it's, some people maybe did lie. And that, that's, that's one thing, but, and it, there's, a, there's a way of sort of not being who we are, not being totally, not living in an authentic way. Let's put it like that. That was more of what it was for me. Um, it wasn't anything that I did consciously, but again, it's this built up persona to protect myself. And so peeling away layers and layers of that over time has led me to much more honesty and integrity of who I really am at the core of that. I hope that makes sense. It sounds a it little does. Lofty, but Because what I'm hearing is that this, when we talk about telling the truth with integrity, that's both something that we can do internally mm -hmm. and something that we do as we interact with others. And it oh, yes. seems, sounds like both. And so as you describe the, you know, the peeling the layers of the onion, that, of course, has to begin within. Yes. All, all change begins within ourselves and expands out from there. Yeah. Uh, and I think you really hit on it when you said that it's more of a matter for many of us. And, 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 and there, are, there are those in recovery who, who do have a, a serious overtly lying. Like, yeah. Where were you? And you say one place when it was another, almost right. no reason. But um, beyond that, you know, sort of leaving things out by omission yeah. is a big part of it. Or just, you know, not not showing up as who we are, yeah. which is not a moral judgment, right? It, it, it just, it takes practice. Right. I, I know from being there and from hearing you describe it, it is something that we have to learn uh, over time, right? Mm -hmm. We learn that which we didn't know. Well, for me, one way that uh, what telling the truth with integrity means is, um, you know, letting go of anything around wanting to make sure that I look good, you know, in any scenario. Now, mm -hmm. for me, what that might mean, you know, quote, looking good uh, is not necessarily about like what I'm wearing or, you know, any external stuff. To me, looking good means, you know, being the one that knows how things work because that's, with, you know, core value. Uh, yeah. I, the way that I'm wired, right? We've talked about it before. Enneagram five is all about understanding. And so looking good means being the one who understands, mm -hmm. right? And so if I want to live in a way where I am telling the truth with integrity, I got to let go of that. That That is not, that is, that has nothing to do with showing up in an authentic manner, right? That's an agenda. I, if I have an agenda of you know, make, I, I want people to see me as being someone who is smart or someone that understands what's going on or um, something like that, then I have an agenda that has nothing to do with showing up in, in, in integrity, right? Showing up honestly, exactly as I am. So telling the truth with integrity to me, one thing it means is letting go of that. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that in in a lot of ways I could characterize the whole recovery journey as being a journey towards more authenticity. Um, so, like I said, peeling away the layers of the onion and becoming more and more of who I truly am, um, rather than this constructed persona that I projected. And we we all do this, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. that's what the ego is about. Is there's a there's a constructed persona that we present to the world. It's not like we set out to do it maliciously. And then the more wounded or, you know, the more challenges we have in our lives, the more constructions that get built up to protect us, right? Um, I'm an Enneagram three. So I'm very much about appearances. You know, I want to look good. I want to look competent. I want to, I want to be able to perform and um, achieve and get all the exterior stuff, all the accolades and everything. And for me, that also meant doing it all perfectly. 
So for me, this, this recovery journey of, you know, moving towards more authenticity has been about so many things, but one of them is not having to be perfect, not having to be perfect, that my best at any given moment is good enough. You know, let me just describe, I've shared with you, I think that I've recently begun singing in church. And this is something that has been a fear of mine for my entire life, a huge fear of singing in front of people. I sang in choirs and small groups, but singing by myself was a whole other matter. And ironically, the fact that um, we're live streaming now and everybody isn't sitting right there looking at me has allowed (laughs) me to begin singing. You know, I got a few people there and I know they're watching me at home, but it's not the same as their eyeballs on me right there. And, And so for me, part of it has been that I don't have to do it perfectly. I, I, it's so deep and profound to me. I don't know if you get it, but for me, like to not go back and listen to the recording afterwards and pick over every note that I didn't hit perfectly. I don't do that. In fact, I don't even go back and listen to it now. It's like, you know what? It wasn't perfect. I sang from my heart. I did it in service of God. And so what? So what if it's not perfect? (laughs) You know what I mean? Whereas before I was so fearful of not being good enough that I couldn't do it at all. You know, and so that's a big, that's been a big piece of it is having the courage to be my authentic self and knowing all of our authentic selves are imperfect, right? That's the whole authenticity and imperfection go hand in hand. Um, But, you know, if you're like me and you grew up with this need to project this perfect persona, then um, being imperfect publicly is very frightening, but I'm doing it and I'm getting better and better at it. And I feel like really every day moving more towards more authenticity. And to me, that's integrity. That's living with integrity. And that's living in truth and honesty is being more of who I am. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it's all about authenticity. And, and it seems like perfection is an idea that we made up. Yeah. Right? We, we just sort of constructed this thing that is without error Right. And therefore, therefore, it's perfect. And then somehow we got the idea that that's what we're supposed to do. Maybe because and I've heard this said before, you know, we each of us knows our own internal experience very well, but we only ever see the outside of other people. Like you go on Facebook and and, and people will, you know, be putting pictures of all the amazing things that they've done and all the amazing food they're eating and all the amazing awards their kids want or whatever. Right. And you get a whole mat, like every single person you know who's only putting up the very best little snapshot of a moment exactly. in their life, you can begin to get the impression that everyone's perfect all the time, but yep. I'm not. Yep. And that's called, I've heard it called, you know, comparing my actual life to someone else's highlight reel. Highlight reel, reel yeah. That is not a reasonable thing to do. You know, nobody, nobody uh, is like that. So right. I'm with you. The goal is authenticity, never perfection. In fact, I just try and let go of that concept completely, yeah. uh, which in itself can be liberating. But it reminds me of a Zen story. Every once in a while, you got to have a good Zen story, right? Of course. And this one I didn't understand at first when I first heard it, but I get it now. And I think it's exactly what we're talking about. The story is, the, and it's very simple, the, the Zen master is uh, in the kitchen making pancakes and the student is watching and and every time the the master finishes a pancake and puts it on the plate he says ah perfect no matter if it's lighter than the other one darker than the other one perfectly yeah. round not perfectly round every single time no matter what the zen master says ah it's perfect and the reason it's perfect is because it is exactly what it is. Yeah. And that's oh, all it needs to so be. Buddhist. I was like, I know, <laughs> but I really got that, you know, it, and it reminds yeah, me yeah, uh, yeah, of like that, that saying that if, you know, if we could get to a place where we could really see life authentically, exactly as it is, you just tip your head back and laugh at how perfect everything is. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I'm not there yet, but I kind of, I kind of get that. 
Where's like my list of... of stories for the pulpit? Because I need to write <laughs> that one down. That's a good one. That's a really yeah. good one. <laughs> so um, we're, we're coming up on our break, but I'll share that uh, one thing I needed to do or what telling the truth with integrity means is not blaming others, but taking responsibility for my part. You know, that's something we ask as we do our step work. What is my part in this? Which is not why is it my fault? But where do I fit into all of this? But let's hold that thought because it is time for a short break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. Hope you'll stay with us. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back indeed. We're glad that you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jelinch. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first, we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing in the first part uh, that feeling of heaviness and carrying a heavy load, and then we moved into talking about the spiritual principle of living with integrity and telling the truth. So now let's talk about how we used that principle of living with integrity and telling the truth to move into what hopefully our, most of the time our experience today is of living with a a lightness of being, having dropped that rock. So the question kind of is how, how did telling the truth or how does it, right? Cause it's not, it's never one and done. Right. How, how does telling the truth with integrity help us move from uh, carrying a heavy load or experiencing life that way to experiencing life in a much lighter manner? You know, again, yes. I'm re- reminded of one of my favorite quotes and it's from GK Chesterton. Angels can fly because they take themselves lightly. Mm. I could say that every day. That's yeah. just such a central, um, it's almost a theme, you know, it's this, we are talking about, I mean, our title today is Drop the Rock, let's let go of all these heavy burdens that we yeah. carry, because when we let go of them, then we can fly because we take ourselves lightly. Well, for me, one thing that means, and in general, it's all about, you know, getting out of the shadow into the light, not hiding, right, not um, not being uh, unwilling, or becoming willing to share what's really going on with me. And that helps me then to be connected to those around me. Right. Yeah. Which means all kinds of new possibilities open up. So that's been my experience is when I'm willing to tell the truth with integrity and I'm willing to weather that vulnerability hangover, uh, which I apparently am. Uh, then new possibilities open up, right? Things that weren't really available before, like like being connected within a community. I'm thinking here specifically of a recovery community. W- one of the most delightful things that I found in recovery, and I found it early on, was how wonderful it was just to be a part of the group, just to show up and you know, laugh at the goofy thing that someone said or laugh at the, you know, the, the, the way that someone shared how they used to be and we can all identify with that and we can all yeah. laugh at ourselves yes. around it. And just being connected through community, specifically a, a recovery group. Yes. So I want to talk specifically about that fifth step. So that's when we take this, I was joking with you before the show, that mine was like a a novel, basically. It was like a whole (laughs) notebook. And um, God bless my sponsor. Uh, She sat with me on my living room couch for, honestly, probably four hours or more and just let me go through all of it. And it wasn't, you know, there was some talking, but it was, I mean, some back and forth talking, but it was mostly me talking and her listening God bless her. Um, 
she gave me a huge gift that day, a really huge gift, um, because she listened to me and she, you know, I was able to pull out all this yuckiness inside of all these things that I thought were so horrible about me and share them with her. And she listened to me and didn't judge me and then told me that she related to so much of it and that I wasn't as horrible as I thought I was, <laughs> that I wasn't this horrible person at all and and loved me unconditionally. And there's really no greater gift than that. And there have been a couple other people that have done that at very crucial points in my life. Um, just seen me, allowed me to be seen, safe to be seen, um, and uh, and safe to share what I thought were just such horrible shadow elements of myself. It's really funny when you know we share these things and and the, and our our sponsor is just nonplussed, right? <laughs> it's like, right. <laughs> yeah. And it makes me think of Nadia Volz Weber when she says, you know, she has this little clip on her Facebook page where she says, you know, when she's taking people's confessions, sometimes she says, you know, I'm just not that impressed by your sins. (laughs) (laughs) She's a riot. But um, that gift of um, allowing me to be my authentic self and be seen and love me unconditionally, the, the folks that have done that for me in my life have given me a huge gift. And I think just that in itself was dropping a major part of the load for me. Um, Just that experience of being unconditionally loved and seen, really seen. I can't emphasize that enough. Because it's not like you really have to do anything to fix someone's pain. If you can just witness it and um, let them be safe exposing themselves to you, that's so much healing that occurs. It's, It's such a gift that we have in our in our 12 steps, you know, that if we really do these steps with, um, you know, with the best of intentions to do them thoroughly and honestly, that we can just get such a huge gift from them. You know, I have sort of in front of me a list of new possibilities. And as I shared before, you know, learning to uh, tell the truth with integrity has opened up all kinds of new stuff. And and one of them is exactly what you're talking about. That it's the new possibility is um, connection via a trusted advisor. Hold on. (laughs) The proverbial got to drink some water there. If it happens again, you're on. Okay. (laughs) I'll point at you. But a new possibility of connection through a trusted advisor, right? That's sort of a a general term. In in 12-step, we'd call that a sponsor. But a trusted advisor doesn't have to be a 12-step sponsor. It could be other things. It could be a a dear friend or a a member of the clergy Mm -hmm. that we can confide in. That's what matters is that that it's someone that we trust who will, as you shared, love us unconditionally. We can share whatever it is that's going on with us. And I'm thinking about this, you know, all, all of this I learned in recovery context. You okay so, over there? Yeah, I should be. <laughs> you might have to finish the show on your own. I'll drink some water on my next break, but... um through a trusted advisor, specifically in the recovery context, which allowed me then to branch out from there. Yeah, so um, I'm thinking about this. uh, So I I talked about sharing this stuff with another person and what a healing gift that was for me. But I sort of skipped over because the first step for me was sharing it with myself, so to speak, which meant getting honest with myself, getting honest enough to be able to see what stuff needed to go on my fourth step, even in the first place, right? And I think I shared that with you that this was um, just personally, I'm not recommending this or not, but the way it worked out for me, just my process was that I didn't even really do my fourth and fifth step until probably my third year of sobriety. Not that I wasn't fully engaged in working on it. I just didn't do it in a formal way. But um, I was doing a lot of, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, a lot of um, uncovering of stuff. And it took me that time to even know what, you know, 
know what I was uncovering. It was just a whole process for me. And so there's these supposed shadow elements, right? These things about myself that I have deemed unacceptable, uh, that I was taught somehow in childhood that they were unacceptable. So I believed it and I agreed that they were unacceptable and I suppressed them and they became part of what Jung would call the shadow. So the, the process for me has been first bringing those things out of the shadow into the light of my own recognition first, right? And for me, that's been sort of hand in hand with God. I, I've never felt like, um, oh, I'm going to tell God something he doesn't know about me, <laughs> right? So to speak. I mean, there was right. never even admitting things to God. But, but it was absolutely the love, unconditional love and support of a higher power that enabled me to be able to face these things myself. So there was that just sort of bringing it out of the shadow and having the courage to even examine some of these things. Because as I've mentioned before, I had so much shame and negative self-talk and negative self-beliefs you know, beliefs about myself and ideas about myself. Um, that were preventing me from even being able to see these things in the first place because they were just so mired in shame that I had to do everything I could to pretend they weren't there. And so um, bringing them out of the shadow and with the love of a higher power, having the courage to face them and admit them to myself and having, you know, it's, it's so hard to describe what is such a complex and beautiful process, but of growing to love through the love of a higher power, growing to love and value myself enough that it became safe to expose those things to myself and then ultimately to another human being. But each of those pieces is part of the healing process, you know, exposing it to myself, to my higher power and to another human being. And all of that process in itself is just, it's literally like putting down a heavy burden you know, and the more of this work that I did, the lighter and lighter I felt. And I'm still fully engaged in this work today um, and feeling lighter every time I do it. There's sort of like chunks of it. There's like a whole new realization that comes up and it's like, yeah. oh, here we go again. And then there's a lightness of being on the other side that makes it so worth it. So worth it. I'm also deeply engaged in it and I've come to understand it is that what is unfolding is freedom. That's the best yeah. word that I have. It's true freedom on every level, free from some of the self-judgments that I used to carry, free from uh, worrying about what other people might think of me or what I say, mm -hmm. um, you know, freedom of the spirit. We could call it freedom in the spirit, freedom through yes. the spirit is what my experience continues to be. And uh, I am not done i don't ever you know i don't need to be done done is not a, a goal or um even on my mind right it's just an ongoing process right. another one of the new possibilities that uh telling truth with integrity opened for me was another connection through shared experience right in in recovery circles hearing what other people are, are having to say not just showing up and being part of the group but listening and realizing oh what that person just shared who would sort of seem like you couldn't be more opposite from me they just shared something that i totally get yeah you know and and i'm connected with them in a very deep way because i realize we have this shared experience and the only way i know that is because i showed up in this recovery community and i stuck around long enough to hear it yeah. uh, one thing i remember hearing from a recovery friend uh, was uh, she she expressed how early on she's relating a discussion with her sponsor uh, relating that she confessed to her sponsor that she just wanted to get rid of all the ugly parts mm. of myself, she said. And her sponsor looked at her and said, there are no ugly parts of you. Yeah. I mean, what a profound healing statement. Yes. Like, oh, and it's acceptance of the truth of who I am that helps me realize that that is true. And that comes through telling the truth with integrity, leading to freedom, lightness. We call it a lightness of being. 
Right. You know, eternal life, I might call it. Uh, yeah. There's all kinds of ways to describe it, but once once you've had a taste of it, it's you know, it, it's something that I, I really wouldn't, I could never turn back. I really wouldn't want to live any other way. No, 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 absolutely not. Yeah, that made me think about, you know, again, what I was talking about in the last one about, you know, uh, Nadia Boltz Weber not being impressed with people's sins. You know, it's, it's part of, seems to be part of our condition that we think that there's like a, an inflated ego part of I'm so horrible. Does that make sense? It's like I'm it so does. terminally, uniquely horrible. Um, what did you call that? You have a great description of that. Oh, right? I'm the piece of garbage that the world revolves around? <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> I relate to that so much. And, you know, it's all coping mechanisms. Having internalized negative beliefs about myself, I then had to aggrand- aggrandize myself in order to feel okay about myself. So it's just, it's a coping Right. You know, it's like your friend says, you, you think you're a piece of crap. No, I think I'm the piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> the, the crappiest, the crappiest piece of crap ever. And often we find out that these things we thought were just so horrific about ourselves are really not that big of a deal. But that's not even important because it's the internal feelings about ourselves. Yes. You know, I guess I had this pointed out by a therapist. No one is as mean to me as I am to myself, you know, or it's not even about what, you know, my mom says to me or my dad says to me. It's what I turn around and say to myself about what they said to me. And um, obviously a lot of this stuff does get set in childhood and a lot of it does come from our families of origin and we have to do the work around that. But Um, At some point, they don't need to do it anymore because I'm doing it to myself. I have now internalized those negative ideas about myself. So I've had to really look into what's um, under, at the deepest levels, under that negative self-talk. And starting to, um, and I think meditation has helped me with this a lot, to begin to become aware of the self-talk so that I'm not fused with it. I have just enough of a distance from it that I can see it rather than that just is my internal thinking. Now I can see, you know, a little bit more sometimes this whole train of negative self-talk that is sort of going on under the surface. You know, we were talking about in the break about, you know, needing to give a perfect sermon. And as a good Enneagram three, I want everyone to think that I am just brilliant and articulate and it was the best sermon ever. And it's all just ego stuff, you know? And so getting comfortable with, okay, it wasn't perfect. Yeah. Maybe I could have said this part of it better or whatever, but like you said, that Zen concept of it's perfectly imperfect. It that whatever I did say was perfect because it's what I said. Because <laughs> it's authentic. It's That's authentic. the thing. Because it's authentic. And it just is what it is. And um, so there's been a lot of you know I was thinking this whole process is like shedding. You know again shedding those layers of the onion, shedding those false constructed selves, shedding. You know, the ego will never be shed completely because we need the ego and and, I, and it's not good to bash the ego. It has a role in everything, but it's a matter of the ego taking its proper place, which ideally is in service to our higher self and not yes. not the one running the show all the time, although a lot of the times mine is. But I'm so much more aware of it now. I can go, oh, you know, that need to be perfect, that need to have sung perfectly or have given the perfect sermon, that's just ego, Thank you for sharing ego, but I don't need that. You know, no one is going to love my sermon because it was perfect. They're going to love my sermon if they do, because I said something authentic that touched them, not because I did it in a perfect way or because I'm the most articulate person they've ever met in their entire life. (laughs) You know, it's just all ego. And so the more I can um, shed that, and see that that negative self-talk that oh you should have said this and you should have said that and you should have hit that note better and now I can it's still there but I can see it and go yeah I don't need I don't need that I don't need to I don't need to go over and over and over what I should have could have would have done or said um I can just go yeah I don't I don't need that I don't need to listen to that self-talk thanks for sharing right no thank you you got better things to do, like yeah. move on to yeah. something else, like yeah. Mexican food or anything. 
exactly. A good TV show. I'm yeah. up for both. I'm up for both of those things at almost any moment in time. <laughs> oh, come to Preferably at the same time. Good Mexican food. And <laughs> in fact, I might have to go do that. And a good TV show. I wanted to share another new possibility that opened up for me through this process. And I talked about connection through a community, specifically the recovery community. But the, one of the things that's beautiful about all this for me is that everything that I learn in a recovery context applies in the world outside of a recovery context. And so I can experience connection through a community, whether the community is a temporary community, like waiting in line at the grocery store, Right, That's sort of an impromptu, short-lived, temporary community. But there's no reason I can't feel connected to those around me. You know, I may or may not actually be talking to them. I mean, I am an introvert. I'm not going to talk to someone for no reason at all if I don't absolutely have to. No, that's not really true. But I don't make, you know, I'm, I'm not inclined to start to make friends in the grocery store line. But here we are, you know, human beings having a human experience. And we're in the same place and time. And we're in this little community called, you know, uh, register five or whatever the number is on the, <laughs> on the thing, and, or it could be a church community, right? Or it could be a community at work of coworkers, or it could be a community at work of, you know, the customers in the company or, or whatever it might be. Almost any group of people can be seen as a community and I can be connected to any community because I learned how to be connected to community in a recovery context, but it blends out from there. Yeah. And I'm just so very grateful for that. You know, we started out this whole thing talking about this common uh, feeling that so many folks in recovery share about feeling not a part of, feeling somehow separate. And what ironically happened to me was when I took the fourth and fifth step, I suddenly felt a part of. I felt, and you know, my mind is spinning trying to think of why that is. And I was thinking that it's partially or in grand part, my ego that makes me feel like I'm separate from everyone else. So Thanks. as I shed layers of ego, which is exactly what's happening in the fourth and fifth step, I start to feel like what our big book says, a man among men, a human among humans, a person among people that I don't have to be the smartest, the most brilliant, the most beautiful, the most, you know, I don't, I can just be one of us, like we all are, you know, and then I start to feel, what's that? One of the bunch. Yeah, and then I start to feel a part of, so it was my own perfection and need to be so wonderful that was setting me apart. As I start to admit these things about myself and get some humility on board, you know, the humility allows me to feel like I'm a part of and, and what we call in the program being right sized. And that is a beautiful thing. So we are going to uh, perform an amazing feat because we've said a whole lot about this and we're going to step <laughs> way back and find a simple way to sum all this up or pretend with us that we're going to do this, or let's just say affirm with us that we're going to do it. So Reverend Michelle, in a nutshell, if someone asked you, how can I create a life that's light and easy? I love the sound of that. How can I do this rather than heavy and difficult? What would you say in like one minute? Oh, my goodness. Keep on keeping on. Just do the do, as we say, you know, do the step work. Um, have a good sponsor or advisor that can really lead you through, especially if you've got really deeper issues, you know, get a good therapist on board or whatever. Um, and work this program diligently and to the best of your ability. It really doesn't need any, you know, the program is perfect just the way it is. Um, we just need to do it and do it with courage and know that each each layer of the onion that we peel away is revealing a greater lightness of being. And like you said before, we are moving towards freedom, that freedom of spirit and walking happy, joyous, and free through life. And that's what we want. So I can't really improve upon what's already there, which is the 12-step recovery program. Yeah. And what comes to mind for me is embrace the journey, mm -hmm. right? I know that 12-step worked very well for me and it, it's not for everyone and that's fine, but whatever the path is, embrace that path. So if we are talking about a 12-step context, that would be, you know, get in a community, you yeah. get a sponsor, 
uh, work the steps with that sponsor. These are the things that I was told when I very first um, got sober. Go to 90 meetings in 90 days. Yeah. Uh, join a home group, get a sponsor, and work the steps. And then somewhat shortly after that, you know, begin to volunteer to help, whether it's just stack the chairs or sweep the floor yeah. or whatever it might be. Uh, just become part of the community, which, which can be as simple as just showing up. I mean, if you just become a face that people recognize simply from showing up, you're part of the community. You don't even really have to talk. And so for those of us who are shy or introverts or not sure about all this, not ready to start you know, sharing our deep, dark secrets with a group of people, uh, just showing up. Yes, and I would also just add to that prioritizing a relationship with the higher power because that's absolutely been crucial to me, whatever that means for you, and it's different for everyone. So, as always, we have an affirmation that we would like to leave you with today, and our affirmation today is this. Grounded in spirit, I live with honesty and integrity, and I am free. And once again, grounded in spirit, I live with honesty and integrity, and I am free. I love that. Freedom, I'm down for that in any or every, any, yes, exactly, in any or every form where it's available. Well, it has happened again. We've come to that part in our show. You've given yourself the gift of another hour of listening to Spirit of Recovery, or we like to think so. And, and listening, I'm not hearing anyone contradict me, so it must be <laughs> And we are grateful that you are here with us, and we hope that you found something in all of our cackling today that will genuinely be helpful to you in your own recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion, and thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your journey. And listeners, as always, if you'd like, you can connect with us during the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, for God's sake, don't drink like my co-host. And don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have a wonder-filled week. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.